There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie, and Dim. And we sat in the Corova milk bar, trying to make up our razudos what to do with the evening. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. Nightmare, baby. Flow. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Wasn't no big thing, no one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, what the hell, let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered, they will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest, and together they rock it. Cause they're in like Flint, two mice is a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So in the tub, in the car, if you're chilling in the park. Welcome to another show of Better in the Dark. Monday on the 4 o'clock movie. A submarine collides with an iceberg, and Godzilla is released. The fate of Tokyo is in question. Only one thing can stop Godzilla from destroying an entire city. King Kong. Watch these two beasts battle it out. As Godzilla met his match, King Kong goes out on a limb for Tokyo. Whom would you bet on? King Kong or Godzilla? Tune in Monday on the 4 o'clock movie, right here on Channel 9. Everybody. And yes, this is morning. It's about what? 10 o'clock? It is 10.18 10 on Sunday the 28th of July. Yes, and a very special episode. Very early for me and you. Very rare yes, for us. Derek and I are sorry, learn sorry, about guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very special episode of Better in the Dark. Derek and I are going to learn about racism. We're going to hug a Chinese child holding a shoe. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, I got it. All right. Even though we have radiation points. <laughs> I got it. I'm not ready to get that heavy. No, no, no. We're, not. <laughs> we're actually we're hanging out here with one of our fans, someone who's been listening to us for a very long time, and so everybody will please welcome to the show Mr. Jay Shelton. Hello. Hello. I tell you, for you people listening at home, if you're a listener like me, it's kind of odd. I close my eyes and I think I'm listening right. to the show. It's very strange. <laughs> but go ahead. Jay has the honor and distinction of being our very first in-house live guest yes, ever. Right. So Pretty it's good. very exciting for us. We, we, very exciting for him. We move on. This is Derek Ferguson. And this is Thomas DJ. And this, of course, is Better in the Dark. And there's no real set format today. We're just going to talk about stuff and then that Chinese to know. Well, since Jay is a visitor, right. he gets yes. to pick what we're going to talk about right. quite well, naturally. Yeah, 
well, this gave you a list of things. You don't want to talk about Bogart, I'm fine with oh, that, yeah. or about whatever you want to talk about. But can I comment on something from sure, the last no, episode? Comment. Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys were doing Richard Matheson. Yes. And thanks for putting my quote in there. I was thinking about it, and you were talking about the ghost story, Circle yeah. of Fear. I think it was ghost story first for a few episodes. And they Seba- changed it to Cirque, yeah. Sebastian Cabot was the host. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about the night gallery, and I think when we're all kids, we have things that scare us, and you can't yeah. sleep. I stayed up for weeks and weeks, and I know there were four of those things that happened to me that just stayed with me for months, and I realized two of them were Richard Matheson. Mm-hmm. One of them was, you remember an episode of Night Gallery, Green Fingers, with Shelley Winter? I could not sleep for weeks, terrifying, mm-hmm. and I didn't know until I was an adult that was mm-hmm. Richard Matheson. And then going back, and I finally got a hold of some really crappy copy of the first episode of Ghost Story. Do you guys right. remember the show at all? Ghost Story. Uh, well, I've told Derek in the past, I think it's been on the show, that the one episode that I still remember of Ghost Story was the one with the carnival horse. I don't know that one. But anyway, you're okay. saying. Well, I was talking about the one that was the first episode, A New House, which mm-hmm. is by Richard Matheson. Mm-hmm. And they go to the house, and this woman has a baby, and this ghost this lady killed in the house coming for her baby and walking down the hall. The baby, the baby. <laughs> oh, it scared the. I could not sleep for weeks, and another Richard Matheson. So that guy terrified me. Oh, but, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like we were talking about the episode. I distinctly remember the Zoomie dog, because the next day of school, that's all anybody talked about. Mm-hmm. Teachers and students, that little doll. So you're right, that it's something. That stay with you, especially the things that he did, is really amazing. That and Duel, and oh Ooh, man, the man, the, the man was just phenomenal, right? Yeah. The stuff that he did, and yeah. how it sticks with you. Well, this is one of those chances where I'm listening and I want to yell something out, and I actually can do it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> because those were the things I was thinking, I go, Oh, I should tell him about those shows. Just a little sidetrack. The other thing that scared me. Shut mm-hmm. up, like, I don't know, can I swear on this thing? You've listened to this man and you say, you want to, can you? Well, yeah. I said, do you guys remember it was on a record? My fifth grade teacher played mm-hmm. it, The Velvet Ribbon. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I the ghost not, story? No, no. The prince finds this lady with mysterious eyes and ribbon around her head and she won't take it off, won't take it off, sneaks into her room at night, cuts mm-hmm. it and the head pops off. Oh, and, God. Oh, my God. That's the other one. that We heard it as a record in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. That one scared the crap out of me forever. That's good God. <laughs> yeah. The Velvet Ribbon. I bet someone out there knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure they did. Did you let the people know? Yes. Tweet. I just tweeted. If anybody's up at this time right. of the morning, 1020, well, I'm sure oh, there are. Right. Big Red Podcast is up. Hello, Alyssa. Everybody's not a lazy slob like me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Jim Moon is, but then again, for Jim Moon... It's probably midnight. <laughs> no, it's mid-afternoon for him. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. What's your hour and a half? Let me yeah. ask you this. What is your earliest memory of the movies, Jay? Oh, I love this. I think it's 64. I must have been two years old. I, my memory goes way back. Mm-hmm. I can remember my sister being born, two and a half, everything. 1964. We're at a drive-in, my dad, my mom, me, my sister's not there yet. It's a double feature of Goldfinger and Dr. No. So, Dr. so I wonder if that's the one... It might have been 65. 64, okay. I think. On the Ultimate Editions or Goldfinger, they have a selection of trailer spots. And they had a TV ad for a double bill of Goldfinger and Dr. Well, no. Had to be a thing. And it featured a, the actor doing a very bad GURP probe. Oh, doing oh, the I've, I've like, heard that. Yeah. I have come back for you, James Bond, and I brought Dr. No with me. <laughs> I have heard that. I have yes. No, so it must have been, we were living in Trenton at yeah. the time, New Jersey. So it must have been Trenton and went to the drive-in. And I didn't remember James Bond at that point, mm-hmm. but what I remembered was Odd Job and the hat. I remember being scared because I didn't get it, and I thought I saw him walk from behind the screen right. after the movie. I thought he was really back there. <laughs> and then we saw Dr. No. That was first. That's the way they showed it because right. Goldfinger was 
a newer one. Mm. There's a scene at the end, I'm assuming everybody here knows that James Bond is listening to this, where he can't grip the metal and he falls yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah, and my mom's telling me, I remember this saying, well, he doesn't have hands, and I couldn't figure out what the hell she meant. I thought, is he hollow? How's he moving? Like, <laughs> it wasn't until I was an adult that I got it, and then I got Odd Job and James Bond toys, and I got the From Russian with a suitcase. And Was you know, that the Galoob one? The one with the, the little stiff figurines? The, these were those plastic things they used to yeah. have. And there was one of Odd Job and one of James Bond. Then a few years later, my mom and sister and I went double feature of Thunderball and You Only Live Twice, and that kind of just kept it going. Then. Yeah, yeah. That's back when they used to yeah. have those revivals, yeah. and they would yeah. bring them out in double features yeah. every so often. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people forget. We are all of a generation that is fast disappearing, where there was no VHS. So what would happen is many movie theaters would just re-rent all the Bond films, periodically send them out. I remember, must have been, what, 70... 273 and they were still showing in the theaters Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Thunderball and all these mm-hmm. Never caught Majesty's Secret Service in the theater. And I think, like you guys said, the first one I saw was the one with... The, oh, ABC. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the chopped up two-part oh, version yeah, where yeah. George Lazenby... Well, it wasn't Lazenby narrating it, was no, it? No, it yeah. was a guy trying to do a bad right. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, remember just... That was the first time I saw... And I honestly think that helped contribute to, for the longest time, because for the longest time on Her Majesty's Secret Service was a red-headed stepchild of the James Bond series. Now we all love it. Yeah, now we all love it. No, everybody's saying, oh, that's one of the best ones, which, which it certainly is. It's certainly the most faithful adaptation of any James Bond novel. You read it, and that's practically the book right there. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Probably as close as you can get. Maybe From Russia With Love is pretty close, too. Yeah, From Russia With Love. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm revisiting them for Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see how further and further away they get the intervening years. Yeah. Until by the time we get to Roger Moore era, Roger Moore it's era just, we're, we're making shit up. Yeah, yeah we just, just take a title. And just, yeah. I think what, Quantum of Solace, again, was just a title. It had nothing to do right. with the story. It had it's more to do with the previous movies yeah. than with anything that Ian Fleming wrote. And recently I watched Casino Royale and Quantum Solace back to back. And I found I like Quantum a lot better because they're actually one big movie. Right. That's what That's I've been what saying it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, right. Quantum, Quantum yeah. moved right up my list because yeah. I hated that for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah. well, we was calling what yeah. Quantum Boredom. And our buddy Russ Anderson was like, "Stop saying Joshua that." Joshua Bertoni <laughs> got on our message board just to yell at us for naming it inaccurately. In all fairness and honesty, because you had said it, and some other grew people up. said, "Watch them together." And I did back and I said, "Okay, now I liked it because yeah, it's just really one big you talking movie." Now, you heard that they've decided they're going to base it on one of the... I, I, I guess you, you call it the expanded universe. Yeah, uh, Devil May Care. Devil by, May Care. Uh, his name Falk uh, Sebastian Falk, right? See the person that followed well, Benson. Well, see, I I, I had those because there was John. Okay, there was John Gardner. The, the history of the expanded universe. First, it was King Lee Amos who did the one uh, Colonel Sun. That, that's Sun. the only one that's really good. Too, yeah, I think. Oh, oh. <laughs> Colonel <laughs> Sun is yeah. dead. If they want to do a really there bad are James one or Bond two movie, James Garner, uh, John James Garner. Yeah, yeah James Garner writing. I like I liked Icebreaker a lot. I thought the John Garner it was one of the first three or four. That was the third really one. That mm-hmm. one is really good. I think that the one that they could never do because it's about the daughter of Lofeld is pretty decent. Yeah. I stopped after three or Okay. Four. You know what everybody skips is the Christopher Wood adaptions of Spy Who Loved Me right. and They weren't bad. Mm-hmm. I don't 70s. think I've read those. I have heard this persistent rumor for years. I've been trying to track it down as one of my particular obsessions because 
I heard a rumor that when he signed on to do his James Bond series, and now he did a whole bunch. He did, yeah, he did a something. lot. He did a lot. Yeah, I've heard his persistent rumors that when he got to the studio and he signed the contracts, oh, John they, Gardner, John Gardner, and they opened up a room full of unused scripts Rips. that they had, and they told him, "Go ahead and take whatever oh, you I want." I never heard that. See, yeah, the thing that that makes me I read like the, I think the first five or I six four, of them, yeah. uh-huh. and I also, as you know, mm-hmm. Derek, are very immersed in Bond films because that fascinates me. The films that we never got. I'm a crazy and obsessed with all that crap with Bond too and <laughs> I recognized none of the elements figure that even at five or six I would come across one storyline that I would recognize I've always wondered about all the different Bond scripts for uh, The Spy Who Loved Me the one that Carrie Bates wrote the one with the master art thief and his triplet henchman Tick, Tack, and Toe well, I knew Carrie Bates said try to write something but the guy after Gardner was is that Ben? that was, that was Raymond Ben I never read those who, by the way is a snot when but, he takes him out of yeah. he put him in contemporary times Mm-hmm. The problem with the Falk one, Devil May Care. You guys didn't read that? I have now, no, now, he's number three, right? I think there was someone in between, okay. Benson and maybe, who did one or two. And the Falk ones are the ones that are written in period. He only wrote one. Because I just recently reread Old Fleming. Right. And I reread Kingsley Amos, and I'm still jonesing. And I go, what can I read? And I read this Falk did one that's in period. Yeah. So I got it. But I just read Colonel Sun, which picks up right where Man with Golden Gun ends, and this one picks up right where the Man with Golden Gun ends. Mm. So it's like you kind of get this fork right there. Right. But I didn't care for it that much, and it kind of he has this twist ending that you see coming from the beginning, and who knows, the movie could be great. But that, that but was, they got the see, same I, guy who directed. Yeah. Sam Mendes. It doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, Sam Mendes. What they do? Back up a truckload of yeah. money to his house? Yeah, he was saying no. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It made him sick, right? Yeah. Yeah. That they're jumping all these other books to get right to this. Well, remember that the official Bond site is not confirmed. This came out in the Sun, right. which is a tabloid paper in England. Yeah, and remember, the Sun would have had you believe that when David Tennant left Jason Statham, it was going to be Doctor Who. I'm sorry. I would pay, though, to see that. I would pay to see that. Yeah, so I don't know. We could be talking about all this, and it's not even real. What they announced it yet? Have they announced the new Who yet? No. As far as I know, they haven't announced it yet. If they're not going to do Colonel Sun, and I don't understand why they haven't yeah, done it. Well, Granted, it's been out of print Well, there's for... a story behind that. Okay. Bit, maybe you want to hear it. After Fleming died, Saltzman had commissioned somebody, I can't remember the name, you can look this up, to write a Bond novel. It was mm-hmm. going to be the first continuation novel. Right. And he wanted it to be the next movie. It was mm-hmm. called Per Fine Ounce. Mm-hmm. And a script was written. The Bond estate turned it down, said it wasn't worthy of a Bond novel. Mm-hmm. And Saltzman was so pissed off, he said, well, then we're never going to do Colonel Sun. But Saltzman hasn't been active since the mid-70s, but that's right. the original reason why, and I've read that oh, in several wow. places. Now, to confirm the story of Per Fine Ounce, I forget who the writer was, but somebody who wrote that autobiography of Ian Fleming and his records found the treatment for Per Fine Ounce that oh. Fleming had okayed, or he had talked to this other guy about yeah, it, because he was going to do it, but then right. this guy was going to write it because he had worked on the idea with Fleming. It, you can look it up. I okay. don't know the guy's name. Are you also into other spy franchises? Well, when I was a kid, I read some of them, like Matt Helm. Lately, I've been into the people like Fleming that were actually worked in espionage, so I'm right. reading a lot of Graham Greene now, mm-hmm. and oh, okay. I like that a lot, and I some John Le Carre. Not too much. You grew up in the same area that Derek and I did. Yeah, you so. grew up in Jersey? Yeah, New Jersey. Oh. Then we moved across the bridge to Pennsylvania from Trenton at one point. Right. And then when my parents got divorced, we moved upstate where my mom was from. But we got Channel 9, Channel 5, Channel 11. And where do you live at now? I live in San Jose, California. San Jose, California. Yeah. I but hate the, you. <laughs> because there's sun there. Yeah. But I miss the weather. I miss having fall and, and winter. I really do. When I retire, mm-hmm. I, I want to move upstate New York where I can get some, not too expensive in the city too, but I want to move where I can buy something nice upstate, live with my snow, and right. that's my goal. That's what everybody said. Everybody Making said, the you know, that they miss the weather. Because my dream is moving to 
Florida. And people always say, well, well, aren't you going to miss the weather? I said, I've had weather for 50-something years of my life. Yeah, I won't miss it all that much. And if I do, I'll just come back to New York. Well, it's like time doesn't go by. (laughs) It's like, it's a weird thing. You grow up on the East Coast, you're just used to seasons. And you're used, this is the wintertime. This is, whether you like it or not. I lived in L.A. a long time, too. Mm -hmm. More than I lived out in the Bay Area. It's just flat. And I think it does something to you. There's not, there's demarcations of time. Right. Every day feels exactly like the day. I mean, it's a little it engenders boredom. That could just be me, though. I don't right. know. Okay. So you remember, for example, Channel 9 having It Takes a Thief at 6 yeah, o'clock, yeah. and then The Avengers at 7. Yeah, The Avengers. Or The Wild Wild West. Yeah, I loved all those shows. Mm. That was great stuff. As far as the New York channels, for me, it was Godzilla. Mm. It was Abbott and Costello. Who showed The Little Rascals? Because I loved um, I Little Rascals, I think, started out on Channel Because the thing with tracking down the history of syndication, of course, is that one station would have the license for X number of years and it would expire and then the next station would pick it up. The Bowery Boys used to bounce back and forth between Channel 11 and Channel 5. Yeah, right. I think Channel yeah. 11 for that. Well, yeah. I mean, for the longest time, the thing that you and I remember, we've mentioned it before, is how on Channel 11 it was Abbott and Costello and Channel 5 would have the Bowery Boys at 11 o'clock on Sundays. Right. The, the episode was definitely Channel 11. Yeah. Because I remember it because my mother loved the Bowery Boys. She mm. never missed them. And Sunday mornings, 11 o'clock, the TV was turned on to the Bowery Boys. But I Boys. think that the Little Rascals started out on Channel 11. That's mm. my earliest memories watch. That was back when they still had the Yum Yum Eat Em Up. Yeah, Yum Yum Eat Em Up. Well, that's one of the ones that they don't show anymore. They don't show anymore because it's racist. Wish Cotton was a monkey. Yeah, you don't see that one anymore. Because I remember Officer Joe Bolton, he used to introduce Little Rascals. Cool. Those There's of the, you, you know, it's funny. Go we, look up all the jokes. We've done a whole episode on horror movie hosts. We've never talked about kid show hosts. We talked about Officer Joe Bolton. Who was it I was having a conversation with about the was it the Magic Garden? You was having it with me. Okay, okay. The Remember Magic because Garden. I posted yeah. the videos and I found it. Yeah, yeah. Those, those were the two girls. The two yeah. girls with the squirrel. Well, what was the one with Richard Dawson? Do you know what I'm talking about? Wow, with the owl. Uh, that is memory I do not yeah. have. Okay, sorry. I remember the show, Officer Joe. When I was real little, we. We were down in Philly. We had 17, right. so we'd get Wee Willie Weber, Sally Starr, Gene Lund. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know those guys, I guess. No. Just, just, uh, they come out of Philly and get into Trent. But I remember Officer Joe Bolton. Soupy Sales, I remember right. him, yeah, of course. Soupy's I remember Bob McAllister. Bob McAllister, Wonderama. Wonderama. Yeah. Fingelheimer, Fingelheimer. Remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the more that. You yeah. Finger, the I actually the got man. an MP3 of that. It goes through my iTunes. I sit in class, right. and things just play, and sometimes that comes up. And like Romper Room with Miss Julie, was it? I don't know. There was a Whole bunch of misses, yeah. The Miz, the Miz, so uh, whenever the Miss got too old, they killed her off. And, yeah, well, okay, we well, like Max. Okay, well, blues. you're 21. We gotta get rid of you. Bang. <laughs> See, I always believe the dark thing, so I kind of believe that they killed them off and then just called up the temp agency and asked, "Can we get another teacher, please?" Mind if I get distracted a minute okay, for what sure. you got? I watched this one, I think, because of you. What's this called again? This, this is, is all through the night. All through the night, and you're absolutely right when you said it. Taking a Humphrey Bogart. We're watching this on the screen, yeah. by the way. Here. The BITV jump. <laughs> yeah, and it's like taking a Humphrey Bogart and mixing it with a Doc Savage movie because that's he's got, exactly right, what he's it got is. This group of goofy guys. That it's like a Doc Savage. If Doc Savage was a gangster, Jane Darnell. Yeah, because he's got Jackie Gleason as one of his sidekicks. General from Nigeria, Jamie. I always forget his name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's got three or four sidekicks that are like Mark and some uh, subterranean yeah. cult. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he's got the Nazis that are in this underground hideout. And Conrad Veidt, of course, is the mm-hmm. bad guy. Peter Lorre. That is one of my favorite Humphrey Bogart movies. It astounds yeah. me that people have never seen it. I'm gratified that a lot of people have found it. 
thanks to me. Yes, of course, I think about this would never be made today. Well, no, nothing. No, we were talking before we started while you were getting stuff about Pacific Rim, and that was the first original big budget thing we've seen in ages. And besides you and me mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people, nobody went to see it. Oh, Pacific Rim! They did, I thought it did well. It hasn't done very well. Although really? everyone's saying that once it starts hitting the other nations, it's going to go. When I went to see it, the theater was full of kids, about eight, ten, twelve, which to me is the perfect age. Right, to see yeah. that they were screaming, they were cheering, they were doing backflips in their seat. I have no <laughs> idea it's why. Giant robots fighting giant monsters. It's the perfect kids movie. I would have had because an orgasm seeing this thing at twelve years old. That's what the Godzilla movies were marketed to when we were kids. Yeah, I, I love those things, those Godzilla movies. I, I was which is, I think, why as you follow the first Godzilla cycle, because of course the Japanese. Or into reboots long before we were. You notice how Godzilla goes from being a force of nature to just a friend to all children. He becomes a superhero, and then yeah. they, they reboot it in the 80s, and he's terrible again. Yes. Like evil, not terrible. <laughs> but that was some of my earliest memories, too. King Kong versus Godzilla, Ghidorah the 300 monster. I would just love it. And going show. back to what we talked about earlier, see, folks, when we were kids, we lived for those holiday weekends because right. that's when they would show these movies, Channel 9 and Channel 11. You would sit there and you'd watch Godzilla. You know what I have the urge to long. watch recently? You guys, I'm sure, remember this the X from outer space yeah the that's G- Toho I think that's actually the same people that did the, the Camara film okay. yeah the giant space chicken with flying saucer for a head <laughs> you have vague memory where do you come up with this stuff look it up you it just looks made, like a you giant made space that up <laughs> can I get a okay Okay. <laughs> Can I jump in while he's doing that and expand yeah, sure. on something you said? And I might have said this on that 100th episode when I called in. Like you were saying, no VCR, no cable, no HBO, no multiplexes, definitely no computers. And so we were forced almost just because of lack of other things. Yeah, it looks a little familiar. The oh. giant space chicken <laughs> with, with a flying with saucer a flying for a head. We were forced to watch movies from the 30s, 40s. 50s and appreciate them. I we think didn't we have, have that boy for this episode. luxury of just watching what we liked again. Kids from 80s on, if they liked the movie, they can pop it in, watch it again and again, and zombify themselves. They don't have that need to flip around right. to four or five channels and understand Humphrey Bogart and understand the Bowery Boys. So and more importantly, from that. we no longer have a broadcast television station. That sees nothing wrong with showing films from the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 60s. They only show stuff from the last 20 years. Yeah, Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, yeah. you literally do have to have Turner Classic Movies if you want to see movies all through the night. Because nobody else is going to show it, which is where I got this from. Thankfully, I had parents that also exposed me to these things. My mother and father would say, hey, listen, come sit down and watch The Wild Bunch. Or come down and sit and watch Magnificent Seven. Or Humphrey Bogart or Betty Davis. And that's how I learned to appreciate it. My mother loved horror monster movies. She said when I was real little, we'd watch... Outer Limits and I'd go Montour, Montour were the first things mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, right, say yeah. Anything. Like my mother, like she would always say, oh, Jerry, oh, Night of the Living Dead is coming on. We would sit up on uh, Saturday night, 12 o'clock, watch okay. it on Channel 7. Let me ask you that. Okay, which did you Dead. like better? The first season where it was Leslie Stevens doing the production and he had the monster in every... I have to admit, my memories on Outer Limits are not strong. Twilight Zone, I'm very strong because I've watched them throughout my life. Outer Limits are just vague memories for me. Sorry, right. I can't really get into that one with you. I know that was what I did when I was little, but Twilight Zones are the ones that stick with me. Yeah. 
Yeah, Twilight Zone. But like then again, said, that the, thing was in perpetual rerun. That's why. Until we were at and, least and in our 20s. Outer oh, yeah, yeah, Limits yeah. was not, as to my memory. I don't yeah. remember you couldn't really It was a long period where Outer Limits wasn't available until yeah. Channel 5 started showing them on Saturday afternoons, I mm. think, because that was about the same time that they decided to do the mm. reboot for cable, and then they decided to do those episodes as well. I remember distinctly, I would not go to bed. The last two things I watched before I went to bed was usually Star Trek and Twilight Zone, which Channel 11 was showing. Odd Couple. Odd Couple, yeah, Honeymooners. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, Honeymooners. And uh, Honeymooners, my favorite shows of all time are probably Honeymooners, Star Trek, Twilight. That lineup, that was I was obsessed with The Odd Couple for a very unhealthily long time as a kid. (laughs) Why? No, I don't know. I love that show for some reason. Oh, yeah, well, it's a good show. The original run I watched, in the syndication, there was a final episode yeah. where they move out, and I never remember that from really? the original run. Do you know what the episode I'm talking no, about? Yeah, I'm, it's the one where Felix gets remarried, remarried to, to his ex-wife. Gloria, right? Gloria, that's it. And, and the, 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 the ending. And it ends with Jack Clark just throwing rice in the air going, please, I'm free, I'm free. <laughs> and then he goes, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to clean it up. Felix goes, that's nice. Felix leaves. Oscar goes, I'm not cleaning it up. Back yeah. to his room, and Felix comes in and goes, I knew he wasn't going to clean it up. And, cleans it up. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and that's the end of it. But I never remember that in the original run. I, I never knew that. I watched it originally, the original run. It was a couple, that girl, and Love American Style. Yeah. Friday nights, remember Friday that? Night. Yeah. Okay, what night? American what style? True, and then the red, white, and blue. Love American Style. That's who you Who? Don Kirshner. Oh, really? Don Kirshner Rock Concert. Yes. Now, that was a show I'd stay up for, Don Kirshner. Yeah, Friday, Don Kirk, right after <laughs> Friday nights, yeah. What was the show that was on after, because there was another rock show that Friday, was on after no, Midnight, on Midnight, Midnight Special. Midnight, Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Yes, Midnight yeah. Special, yeah. Don Kirshner. Don Kirshner. No. Right. You, and you also had Austin C. Limits at that time on uh, PBS. I don't remember that. I remember that later. I remember the name. I don't remember yeah. actually yeah, I don't why I remember, remember the name. So Friday night, just to get this straight, was Love American Style, Odd Couple and That Girl That Girl And that was ABC? Yeah, yeah. Was Okay, ABC. one night was Partridge Family Room 222 And Brady Bunch Those were all ABC too, weren't they? Those were Friday night It was all, all Friday night yeah, yeah, it was all Friday was, night Yeah, because Brady man. Bunch came on That was the first one that came that on That was like 8 yeah. o'clock okay. 8 o'clock, right no, but Room 222, I think, was either Tuesday was or Wednesday Red hair yeah. <laughs> It wasn't on Friday Was oh, No, no Because Thursday was Welcome Back, Connor Wednesday was Welcome Back Hot. Well, that was later, though. That was set late that 70s. Was late we're talking 70s. 60s. Right. For we're talking late 60s when you're talking about Love America Style, early 70s. 70s. Yeah. And then Cotter was 70. Okay, 70s. Yeah. yeah, Cotter was mid 70s. But Cotter was Wednesday you know, nights. Back when comedians got picked by networks as opposed to comedians wanting to work for networks. I was trying to process that. <laughs> TV was great when we were kids. If I want to terrify my nieces and nephews, because they consider those horror stories when I tell them, and yes, we only had six <laughs> channels. Ah! I think life was better. I think for kids, for TV, people always say that about the next generation. We enjoyed what we had more. I don't think right. the shows mean as much to kids anymore. Well, no, because they can watch them anytime they get yeah. ready. That's why Saturday morning, they will never have the experience of getting up 6 o'clock on Saturday, getting your bowl of cereal ready, Before. and planning your whole day of, okay, I'm going to watch this and this and this and this. Because now you can watch cartoons at any time. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. You have people, and I know people that said that they watch one movie 30 or 40 times 
times over and over. Well, why don't you watch something else? Well, I just love this movie. You could have been spending your time expanding your movie repertoire. This is why when I talk to certain people about some movies, well, I've never seen this and I've never seen this. Oh, but you're a fan of movies. Oh, yeah, I love movies. Well, how can you love movies if you've never seen Gone with the Wind or The Ten Commandments or Casablanca or The Godfather? It blows my mind that there are people just, out there that yeah, never seen The Godfather. Three weeks ago, there's somebody I know who never saw The Godfather, so I, I you know, she came over and we watched the first two and about halfway through the third one, we're going to finish that sometime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But, you know, could you mentioned Casablanca. You said you don't like it all that much. I'm really not a fan. I recognize that it's a well-made movie. It just doesn't hold my interest as, say, to have and have not. Of course, there's that incredible chemistry you right. have between Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart yeah. that I really just don't feel between him and, 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 and I'm sorry, I just don't. You're right. If there is a flaw in the movie, it might be that I'm with you on that a little. But you said African. I don't like African. I, yeah, I don't. That, like, yeah. that one does. And again, I don't, not that I dislike it, but that one doesn't stand out to me at all. I don't know. Casablanca. I can see. I think I'm one view away from ruining it, though. I know I'm going <laughs> to stop for a while because I've seen it enough. I love it. That's one of my two or three favorites. But I don't want to burn out. Like I think I've burned out on God. Father, Burned Out of Night Living Dead, a lot of my favorites. I don't Sometimes want to do that with Casablanca. you put it on the shelf yeah. for a while and let the memories get distance. Yeah, right. Citizen yeah. Kane, I think I can't see for another mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah, know. Citizen Kane, I have made a personal vow to not watch it for at least another five years. Yeah, because I'm like you. Every time I came with Turner Classic Movies, I was watching it. And you know how I knew when I got burned out on it? Because usually, and I think this is why Citizen Kane is so brilliant, because even though I had seen it 20, 30 times, I could never quite remember what scene came next because right. of the way it's constructed. Yeah. But then when I started saying, okay, well, this comes next, this comes I said, okay, I've seen it too many times. So I don't have to watch it anymore for about another Christopher Nolan must have watched a lot of Citizen King. I think so. <laughs> I think oh, because, yeah, the last one particularly. Yeah, because with, with, with the isolated guy. And the, yeah, he's, yeah, but because he's always been interested in unconventional storytelling methods. Oh, that you're thinking from that? You're yeah. right, from Memento. and But possibly I recognize its place in movie history. It's just not a movie that sucks me in, like, I, I, say, I, Beat the Devil. I love Beat the Devil. That to me, that's a much better Humphrey Bogart. I mean, that one's okay. I like it, but I don't know. Yeah, whatever it is that Casablanca does to people did to me. I get, I get, yeah. I get sucked into it. Kids not seeing things. So, not to retread on the hundredth, I talked about yeah. how I teach school and in my art one class. I like to teach the beginning kids a lot. So I like to get their mm-hmm. skills up. Thursday's classic movie day, and I show a clip could be from any time period, any right. country. And a couple years ago, I was going to do a clip from Wizard of Oz. I said, "Of course, you've all seen this," and half the kids had not seen Wizard of Oz. I freaked out, so I made every class sit two hour period. Once a week, right. I mean, every kid sit and watch Wizard of Oz. I said, "This is one of the great pieces of art in our history. You cannot not see Wizard of Oz." When we were kids, that was everything. That's right. Like building up to do it. They still do the know? annual Thanksgiving showing. I don't know. They do, but they do it on TNT or either their sister said Turner Classic Movies. They but like anything else, you it's not special anymore because right. you can just rent. I mean, when we were kids, I don't know where you live, but we lived Wizard of Oz. Even when we got right. to like seventh, eighth grade, a little older, that's all. It's going to be on this week. It's going to be on this week. Right. Boss, it was every Thanksgiving. They showed it the one time that year, oh, and it was, and that was it was every Thanksgiving. That Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty I remember bang. Thanksgiving. That Willy was Wonka. Willy Wonka. That I love was Willy it. Wonka. Oh, I love. You've heard my theory, of course, about Willy Wonka before. Well, I repeat it, please. That. It's actually the story of a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I don't care how quirky Johnny Depp could ever get, he would never match the creepiness of Gene Wilder in that yeah. film. The part that never fails to crack me up is where the little boy falls into the Chocolate River and the mother's screaming at Willie Walker, him, do him. something, help him. And he says, help. help. 
Help. Help me. What the fuck then, am I supposed then, to do? And, and his concern is that the kid's going to contaminate the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then he takes out a bag of chocolate when he gets old. Oh, he'll be oh, popped out of it. And he's just killing, killing me. But talk <laughs> about early movie memories. Well, what year was that? Actually, I can look that up. Because, because I, I did that was one of the first movies I made my mother take me to twice. And I remember getting chills when the chocolate factory at the beginning is plopping out the kisses and they're mm-hmm. going through. I remember that movie just making me shake with enjoyment and excitement. And that's the movie when I got older and I got into Doctor Who. I said, man, Gene Wilder would have made a fantastic oh. Doctor Who. Just from that performance alone. Confession about Doctor Who. I want to love Doctor Who. I love the fact that it's from 63. I love the Daleks. I love the Masters. I just can't get into it. And I've tried every era and I want to get into it. I know so many people are into it. I love the mythology of it. Mm-hmm. I listen to all your guys' podcasts even though I don't know the show <laughs> about it. And I listen. I even listen to that one Bigger on the Inside yeah, podcast. Bigger, yeah, and I can't even... But I just... The show itself, I can't get into The show is... The closest I got to were the, yeah. the earliest ones are the ones I like best. 1971 was Willy Wonka, by the way. Oh, okay. I don't think that's unusual because there are podcasts that I listen to, even though I don't care about the subject matter, but I love the hosts and the interplay between them. So I like visiting them every once in a while, like the Uncanny X-Cast. I couldn't care two shits about the X-Men these days, <laughs> but I like... Visiting these two guys every once in a while yeah, and hearing them talk. Oh yeah, I'm gonna listen to you guys. Whatever you talk about, you're gonna talk to Doctor Who. I better gird myself yeah. for an hour and a half of kind of not knowing what's going on, but just yes. kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Matter of fact, speaking of Doctor Who, I was watching Doctor Who last night because BBC America, what they've been doing every month, that they revisit one of the past Doctors yes. and show one of their adventures. And last night I watched the Seventh Doctor, who I only knew from Ghost Which Light. Was the seventh. Sylvester McCoy. Apparently he was a kid's entertainer. John Nathan Turner was ready to leave Doctor Who because he was burnt out. And BBC said, if you're going to leave, we're going to cancel it. So he stuck around for a couple more years. He saw a video of this weird Scottish gentleman putting a live ferret down his pants. <laughs> Get me that man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Part of that incentive is I'm watching those things you're talking about. The uh, things about yeah. the doctor. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. the show. And I try to watch a little bit of each doctor. Especially for me, who I don't know that much. Well, Tom Baker, of course, that's my first right. one. I remember him from when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. But I never really knew that much about the fifth, the sixth, or the seventh. Was the episode about the sixth doctor just 90 minutes of a blank screen? What do you mean? The Colin Baker doctor. Was it just 90 minutes of just a blank screen? Like, we got nothing. No, I told you about that. That was the one where he went to the planet with the people. Oh, was watching. Varus, Right, yeah. Like Yahoo True Freak sometimes. Right, too. that one, yeah. But there were yeah, two Bakers, though, right? Yeah. Colin Baker. Tom Baker, then Colin Tom Baker. Baker's the one I yeah. remember. Right. The yes. one that was in Sinbad. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's been fascinating watching and seeing the evolution of this character yeah, from how I enjoy all that aspect of Doctor Who. Yeah. Getting back to Willy Wonka for a second, one of the other things I love about the film, it's one of the really the first adapters of the one for the kids, one for the adults. It seems mm-hmm. to work on the two levels. I like the fact that it works as kind of, forgive the pun, eye candy for the kids, but it's also got a lot of kind of interesting wordplay and inside jokes that the kids won't get, but the adults will. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but you can't beat that Gene Waller performance. The guy is obviously having a ball, and he's bouncing back and forth. That's what I really love about Willie Wong. You never know what this guy's deal is or where right. he's coming from next. Even though I don't hate the remake, 
they did ruin something very special by showing the kids after the fact. Oh. Because one of the things that's kind of disturbing about the film is we never see, see them again. You, you never, never know it right. And that's what gives it its sinister edge. Did Willy Wonka deliberately pick these kids so he could awful because it's little yeah. monsters? Oh, oh, you get a sense yeah. that he knew yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 My theory is that every couple of years he pulls this stunt <laughs> to find the worst I still get very emotional at the end of that movie when they're flying out of yeah. the thing. And yeah. You know, remember what happened to the man who... The, 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 the kid who wanted everything. I can't talk about it like again. But yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was exactly. really, it was, it's one of the few movies that every time I and, see it, I can still get That line was yeah. apparently improvised. The director could not find it a proper ending, so he called a friend up. They're in the middle of filming the film. He calls a friend up and says, I'm having a hard time figuring out an ending for this. He said, give me about a couple of hours. So this writer friend of his came back and said, here's how you ended. That's the line. Remember what happened to the man who got everything he always wanted? What? He lived there. Happily ever after. Yeah, Apparently was... there was a sequel that was written, Charlie and the Giant Glass Elevator. Elevator yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was never filmed. Yeah. yeah, but it was never filmed, though. Although they did have plans to... Uh, Roll you know, Doll. And I love Roll Doll. He recognized something about kids, which is that kids... Don't mind being disturbed. Yeah, they don't mind being scared. Now, they want to sanitize with the remake that they did. They They brought everybody back out. Oh, see, they're okay. My sister and I, when we were growing up, people told us horrifying ghost stories. What I'll do once a semester, I don't plan it. It's just that morning. I'll switch off the lights and I'll say, this is it. And everybody has to be quiet and I'll tell a ghost story and try Mm -hmm. to scare the crap out of the kids. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, my sister has kids. I start telling them stories that we heard when we were young. And her kids, she yells at me. She goes, don't tell them those stories. I go, God, we grew up with those scary horrible stories. But then we, we live in this world where kids are now encased in little glass bubbles. Well, I told this story before on Better in the Dark about my idiot uncle, because as we all know, Everybody has an idiot uncle. Every, thank God for that. <laughs> How it's only is, fun if you're not the idiot uncle like me. Yeah, that's what I was I, just thinking. I, I am I, the idiot I, uncle. I am too. <laughs> they have three kids still live at home, and they don't have jobs. And my mom was saying to my uncle and aunt, don't you think they should go out and make their way in the world? And the aunt said, well, we don't want them to fail. Yeah, that's But failure breeds character. You learn from failure. You become stronger through failure. Yeah, I don't know. That worries me a lot, too. I, did. I was 17, and then Mom moved when I graduated from high school, so I didn't have... I stayed at my aunt's that summer, and then I went to college, and I had to, during the summers, I had to find places to go, and I never really went backing, except after my divorce, I needed a couple months, stayed at my dad's yeah. here and there, but basically, after 17, I was... I couldn't wait to get out of my yeah, parents' house. That's the part I don't understand. Because you, it was shit I wanted to do that I knew I, yeah, right. I needed my own oh, place. Oh, I could, yeah, you're right. I, could, I couldn't wait and, to leave. And I think about me and friends living in squalor in some horrible places where we couldn't pay rent and we were jumping from here to there. But those are the best memories. Like the mm-hmm. funniest stories I have are from those times when, yeah, I was young. I really shouldn't, maybe couldn't afford to live out on my own, but I was trying so. And I wonder what sort of movies, what sort of art we're going to get from this generation that's growing right now where they don't have these experiences some of the films that we remember come from people living through really terrible times and there's no terrible times anymore you're right they, it's all self-referential to stuff that they you don't have people escaping the holocaust right. and making films right. Billy Wilder just missing it or Fritz Lang or people like that right because I know I tell people all the time so, you know when my first growing up movie was you know like <laughs> wow budget said wow well, well no, <laughs> and how could your father take what the fuck 
fuck? It was a western. You know, it was a cat it was great. Yeah, kill him. Great. Kill him all. But my parents exposed me to movies. That I know that now parents would never I saw whatever happened to Baby Jane when I was like ten right. years old. You know? I thought it was great. I said, Oh, it was That was released on the night of my birth, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought it was great stuff and I like wonder that. if what we're seeing now, because I haven't been to the movies much this summer because I'm just four. Yeah. yeah. I saw Pacific Rim, I saw Iron Man Three, I saw Fast Six, but that was with my mom because my, my mom loves the Fast and the Furious yeah. series for some bizarre <laughs> reason. Man of Steel I intended to see, but I just uh, okay. maybe next week. Maybe I have a, week. I, I have a feeling that when we get around to doing our massive two part review episode, because we haven't done one in a while, yeah. Jay, that we're going to end up with another summer of meh. I saw Man of Steel and I was eh, it was okay. Even without talking about the controversial ending, Iron Man Three, Man of Steel, even the one that you didn't like as much as I did the the end of the world even if they're pretty good movies like Man of Steel was for a while they all have to devote the last 45 minutes to these CGI extravaganzas and I hate to keep bashing CGI but it, it just becomes visual noise to me and I can't be invested in CGI fights it, like they all feel like they have to do this even if it's a nice movie that's been textured and you have some good performances mm-hmm. and they're written well they all feel like they have to throw it out, I mean, out there at, at least, the end loud for a half hour Iron yeah. Man 3 boiled down to Gwyneth Paltrow of all people in a sports bra and some yoga pants punching a guy. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> that at least is a recognizable human being. I liked Iron Man 3. Yeah. Except I liked it too. The yeah. scenes where they're attacking his Hollywood house and that same yeah. it seems like every Hollywood movie's got that house on the hill with the yeah. sauce. Yeah. Maybe it was earlier but again it just becomes noise at some point. Well, I'm just I mean, waiting for it to be over. That what fascinated me about Iron Man 3 is that it's a Shane Black movie Retrofitted onto the Iron Man franchise. It is very much a Shane Black. You could well, just... the dialogue between Robert Downey Jr. and, and Don Cheadle is very reminiscent of the Lethal Weapon right. movie. You can imagine them playing Murtorn Riggs easily. Did but he man... write any of the Iron Man movies, sir? No. He wrote, uh, uh, Shane Black wrote and directed three. Oh, he, he wrote oh, and directed. Sorry, I didn't yeah, 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 he wrote and directed. Yeah, okay. And he wrote the Lethal Weapon movie. Yes. Yeah. Because they were Donner films. I really liked the first Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Second one was okay, and then the third one just it turned me off. I didn't care for the second one, but I wonder if I would care for it more if the war... Because originally, before they went with Shane Black, they had commissioned War Murphy of... The Destroyer. Destroyer fame. Okay. To write. Yeah. And apparently, the villains were the same. It was still South African smuggling cougarans or some such. Yeah. But a lot of it was changed by Shane Black to the point where I don't think War Murphy has a screen credit. You remember, we probably yeah. talked about Did you know that in the original movie and it yeah, was a film where or Riggs died at the end. And in they the showed second it. one? In the second one, yeah. When he gets shot by the South African yeah, guy yeah. and then Murtaugh shoots him and yeah. then he goes the down. Yeah, community. Right, yeah. yeah. Riggs was supposed to die. They showed the test audiences and they hated it and they had right. to call them back and film it so that they had the jokey ending and he lived. But I've told you yeah. My theory of how they could have kept the series going after four. What was right? It? You remember four, right? That is right. I didn't see four. You didn't see four. Okay, that's when we Jet Li. Yeah. Right. That's the one where Rene Russo has the baby. Right. Now they introduce Jet Li. Now he ends up being the bad guy in the movie. But I always said what they should have did was have him be an undercover agent working for the Chinese government to find these right. other bad guys. Then at the end of the movie, what he does, he decides to stay in Los Angeles, and him and Chris Rock become partners. This way, you could have kept the series going with a younger crew, but you still. Have have Riggs and Murtaugh, yeah, because they get right. promoted. So category of some yeah. right, because they get promoted to captains. So they said at the desk, you could have them show up and say their funny lines and get the hell out. But, but this is something that we talked about a lot with the, when we talk about the Indiana Jones trilogy. People got into their heads now that you gotta have those people. You gotta have Mr. Sugar Tits and Danny Glover. 
in every Lethal Weapon movie. Why is it that people are so accepting of a new... People practically look forward to it now. Okay, we can accept new guys Doctor Who. We can accept right. new guys James Bond. I have people, when I say, well, they should get somebody else to play Indiana Jones. Try to cut my head off. Well, it's just Harrison Ford. I think it's because oh, it always was Harrison Ford. Once yeah. the first movie, there was no pre-existing. Bond always existed, even if people didn't read the books. Right. And, and remember, it, Lazenby, more probably would have been successful if Lazenby didn't take a bullet first. Mm. Probably Pierce Brosnan would have been as successful if Dalton didn't take all that shit. There always has to be that sacrificial land that does one or two movies and everybody hates. Then they're ready for a new guy at that point. I've always said that if they had switched it around and made it Brosnan then Dalton, I think that people would have responded to Dalton. Because you know how much I love Dalton. Yeah, we all like Dalton a lot. Remember, you had a whole generation that was raised on right. Bond Light. That's Thanks what I want to see. Moore. That's what I want to see. I want to see a film where the state, Timothy Dalton is the state's father, and they go around and kick people's asses right Oh, yeah. Throw in Gina Carano there, too. Well, why not? I would pay to see that movie. Let's green light it right now. <laughs> Who'd we get to movie, movie Executive Kermit. Yeah. yeah. Dalton just got caught in a bad time, I guess, yeah. uh, when they weren't putting that much money into the bond. And also the thing to keep in mind is that that was the dawn. I told the story, I think, on that episode of Better in the Dark, where one of Michael G. Wilson's friends was a advertising executive, and he said, your movie posters are really corny. You need to upgrade, become relevant to today. And that's when all those wonderful posters with Bond in the middle yeah. and all this crazy shit. Because when I was a kid, those were the coolest. Yeah. I bought the albums just to get those. Because you go, wow, how can all this be part of a Movie. Yeah, I have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Spider Man Moonraker is probably the last one that gave us that because for your eyes only was the ghost legs. But then you had Octopussy. Yeah. That was traditional. That was you would kill had yeah. one of those. Look. Well, if you didn't kill, it was just on the bridge. It was on the bridge. Yeah. yeah, the Living Daylights, oddly enough, had both. Had one that was just Timothy <coughs> Dalton posing artistically, and then mm. he also had that was the cover art for episode sixty-two. I go back and look at that one. It's Dalton in the middle, and all this crazy shit is going yeah. on behind him. That's what made you yeah. want to see. Because you said, "Wait a minute, no way! All this crazy shit is in one movie." Live and Let Die. That's one of the best movie posters I have yeah. ever seen. Like, I love that. But to me, that movie holds up well. I, I've rewatched them several times lately, all of them. Live and Let Die. I remember my parents dropping me and my sister off at mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie when we were visiting my grandparents. It was the first time alone at the movies when yeah. Poughkeepsie. Get dropped off, see Live and Let Die. And I just thought it was great then. I watched it yeah. a few months ago. I think it's great now. This is the one thing about the movie that I really don't like. They don't work hard enough at making us believe that Kananga and Mr. Big are two different, different people. people. Yeah. Because when you see them, it's not, okay, yeah, well, that's Dr. Kananga, which I believe would have been a real oh shit moment. Because that's what you're supposed to feel yeah. when he rips off the mask. Well, one of the sad and, thing you is know. they don't make those kind of movie posters, those illustrated movie posters. That's one of the things that got me excited about Pacific Rim was that they had illustrated movie posters. Posters yeah. for a change, as opposed to here's Matt Damon with a thing on his neck, looking kind of stern, looking very serious. Yeah, not <laughs> sure if I'm supposed to be a Blade Runner or. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm still kind of content that, it lo- judging from the trailers, it looks like Elysium is, if not a direct sequel, the sequel to District Nine because a side it's cool. It was the same guy. Yeah, Neil Blomquist. Is yes, Neil Blomquist. It takes place in the same universe because those ships are the same ships that they had in. District 9. I remember thinking District 9 was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah. Some things at the end bugged me. I can't really remember what they were now, but... Uh Oh, yeah, the ship lands on Earth, and the kid goes back and sneaks into it. Wouldn't that be secured immediately by the army? I don't think anybody could just 
Francisco break. Yeah. It bugged me more at the time than probably making it sound worth now. But I think I was willing to accept a lot because, for goodness sakes, it was the first original science fiction film I'd seen in about five years. Even though it was just like a kind of a mishmash of... Well, it was actually real science fiction. Yeah. As you guys know, we grew up with science fiction movies that were real science fiction and not action movies in drag, which I think personally, I could be wrong if I am, Jay, please feel free to let me know. I think that the trend of the science fiction as action movies started with Predator. Cause, well, you you know, know, was Star Wars before that? I don't think well, so. Star Wars is science fantasy. Yeah. 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 Star Wars is more like the Sinbad movie. Right. It's more like Ray Harryhausen. Okay. Yeah. Si- it's not trying to pass itself off. Right. As, right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, it's exactly. not, it's not trying to be science fiction. Yeah, but we haven't seen, for example, something like Silent Running. Right, exactly. That's In what a I'm long saying. time. Right. Because I remember Channel 13. They yeah. used to show that. Which one was Silent Running? That's the one with Bruce Stern on the spaceship where they're trying to preserve the last forest okay. in you the Dewey world. and Louie. I and think I've passed it on the dot. Yeah. I don't think I've ever sat and watched it. And then what happens is that they tell him on Earth to blow that shit up and just come on back. We don't care about the trees anymore. But he's the last botanist on Earth. So he decides to take it out. And he just takes it out of the <coughs> space. He has no plan of where he's right, going. But he's he gonna... kills the other guys. Because they want to go back home. They say, yeah, well, right. they're, they're playing charges. Man. They said, let's get out. He kills them. And he's alone with these three <coughs> robots that he names Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But then the trees start dying because, of course, there's no sunlight. But then him and the robots, they rig up these lights that will give artificial sunlight to the things. He's going crazy from loneliness. He kills himself. And it's just the robots that are left to take care of the last four. You know, you bring up a good point. When we were growing up, we had sci-fi movies and the tragic ending, the kind of lost, lonely ending that you got. Mega Man, Soylent Green, Planet of the Apes. They were never that optimistic. I mean, yeah, yeah, something would be... Mega Man's ending with the ending of I Am Legend. (coughs) Both stand-ins for the main character die. At the end. I Am Legend is all about... Yeah, the new one, he sacrifices himself so the other people can live. and So it's more of a hopeful ending. People that have never seen the Planet of the Apes series. They're under the impression that they're kiddie movies. I said, day and night, have yeah, you ever dark. seen these things? Well, we just <laughs> talked about that on the Facebook thing. I just rewatched those because yeah. I bought the Blu-ray set. They end horribly yeah, dark. Yeah. Everywhere. And I don't know if you've ever seen the original ending of the fourth one, Conquest. It was cut. It's, it's a lot darker than mm-hmm. what was in the cinema. So if you get the Blu-ray set, you can switch either one. It has the original dark ending. It was mm-hmm. shown on TV this way. Mm-hmm. But those movies, every one of them has a dark twist or yeah. something. Yeah. Really. And I say to people, you've never, you know, no, those are kiddies. Those the are, sun you know, those lies little, a small, insignificant planet. They blow <laughs> it up is the now yeah. dead. Everybody died as a kid. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that in the theater, that's that's one out. of my earliest movie memories is going to the Valley Stream Drive-in and seeing beneath the Planet of the Apes. That freaked, freaked me out. Out by yeah. oh the. the Unto my God, and they pull up. Yeah, the yeah they pull over. Holy shit! That and movie is the, 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 the bleeding statue. The girl killing herself in the tub. The face. Every character got shot and killed, except we find out later uh, Cornelius and Zira. Yeah, and Salminio. Who they get killed in the next? Yes. <laughs> and that ending. It's a goofy, happy romp, and then you get at the end, and they're slaughtered. Yeah. And that's oh, awesome. man. yeah. That's back yeah. when American cinema believed that you could do dark, yeah. as opposed to now where. You have to have brightness. You can't bum out the audience. You've got to save the cat. One of my favorite movies, Angel Heart. I remember when I saw that. And at the end of that movie, this was the quietest audience. You know, you usually hear some mutterings of conversation. People... That is the last movie I think I went to where the audience left. Everybody was absolutely stunned in the silence. Nobody was talking when they left out of it. Louis Cipher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It ends with a freeze frame, right? Mickey Rourke, his character's in the elevator, symbolically going down to hell. Okay, it's before that where you get the De Niro... No, the little baby. And he's got 
the eyes. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. same yeah, the eyes, eyes and the little baby is pointing okay, at him. Right. Yeah. What was the girl in that movie? Lisa Bonet. He's from Bonet. Cosby, right? Yeah, from yeah, Cosby yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big controversy at that yeah, time when she, she was, made that. Yeah, because the scene with the chicken <laughs> and the sex scene with the bleeding wall. That, that was a good movie. Yeah, it was good. It was one of the last great horror yeah, right. See, and I tell people when I say well, horror movies, that's what I consider a horror movie. Right. Things like the Friday the 13th you know, and so so dependent, so dependent on shock now or the <laughs> that noise. Kind of, <laughs> of course that's going to scare you. You're quiet. Right. You hear a loud noise, I'm going to jump. Yeah. It doesn't mean it. I was listening to the Hollywood Perspectives this morning on the Grantland Network. And Andy Greenwald was talking about this book that came out a couple of years ago called Save the Cat by mm-hmm. Blake Snyder. It was about marketing and about how films should be structured. He said, if you thought Robert McKee was constricting, you should read this book. He said, nowadays I look at it and you can see that it's all about Save the Cat. It's all about everything has to tick along and nobody can be dissatisfied. Nobody can... <laughs> yeah, you were absolutely right. And it's a shame. Yeah, Nobody's mother's taking him to see Taxi Driver at 12 years old anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. More's the pity. <laughs> Another one of my earliest memories, my father father, as he started sliding down, my natural father, as opposed to Chester, mm-hmm. as he was sliding down into his addictions, lost his job as an engineer, became a cab driver for Blue Lane Service on Liberty Avenue in City Line. And there was a movie theater next to it. And they were showing, I think it was Hercules Goes to New York. And so he arranged for the daughters of the owner of Blue Lane to take me to see it. But they were late. So what I ended up seeing that day was the Omega Man, which scared the piss out of little six-year-old Tom, who was expecting to see Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Arnold Stang. I snuck into The Exorcist. Well, we knew there was a theater. Yeah. Cindy Sleeper was a girl. She's, now we realize that she was, she was a lesbian, but at the time we didn't know what she was. She was a girl that dressed like a guy and was uh-huh. kind of tough and smoked cigarettes, and she was the usher. <laughs> but she'd take her cigarette break five minutes after the movie started, so right. that's how I got in to see The so Exorcist we, yeah. and everything. Everybody knew. You go in there, and yeah. The stuff I saw as a kid, I can't believe I got away with like groove tube. I told my mom, no, you have to walk yeah. us in, but it's a fun movie. It's not bad. It's not yeah, bad. And yeah. the usher tried to tell her there's nudity in it. Like, oh, it's fine, mom. And mm-hmm. we saw all those movies. Kentucky movies. Fried Movie. Yeah. yeah. And they were actually a lot stricter back then yeah. about R-rated movies. Can't tell how old is that kid? That was know. back when, and we, we talked about that way back, I think it was episode 48, mm-hmm. when being a movie theater owner or being a movie theater manager was a career. It wasn't just something <laughs> you do while you're in college or high school until you can get a bigger job. Right. It was something that you did. It's something that you took pride in, but then that's when we had the grand old right. movie houses yeah. instead now the cineplexes. Well, even upstate, we had some really nice big theaters. And now it's a shame you go up there and I don't know what they are. Anything they can sell them, like you want to sell shoes out of this place. Yeah. Oh, know? the Richwood Theater continues to molder in my neighborhood, the one I was well, telling you about. I will say in the Bay Area where I am yeah. now, they have some wonderful, in Palo Alto, where Stanford is, it's about maybe a half hour from me, is the Stanford Theater. One month it'll be all Bogart. One mm-hmm. month it's, and oh. they get great print. I saw a great print of Out of the Past there. It's one of the great movie experiences I've had. And you've got up in San Francisco, the Castro, where I saw the original Gojira and uh, mm-hmm. Metropolis restored. So the Bay Area does have a few theaters. L.A.'s got a few that they've restored, like the Egyptian when I was living down there. I used right. to go to, so it happens. But it's the small towns, like upstate where I was, where the things, all your memories are in the town theater, cinema yeah. theater. Those are gone. Those are just trash. Now. Cross Bay, where I went to some of my earliest movies, I went to see The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, is now a Models. The Drake, that little 50-cent movie theater I told you about with the hole in the screen is now an Italian, about that. It's an Italian restaurant. But for all the gloom and doom that yeah. we're talking about, I do think that now thanks to 
Turner Classic Movies, yeah. and thanks to all these different movie channels that we have, and Blu-ray, and DVD, and Netflix, I do think people are getting exposed to a lot more movies, and people are enjoying movies more. They want to find it, it's out there. But well, the tough part is convincing them that, yeah, you can watch, because, you know... Well, that's get- one reason why Tom and I do better in yeah. the dark, and one of the things that make me feel so gratified is when we hear somebody like you were just talking about all through them, when somebody says, I watched this movie in recommendation, mm-hmm. it was really good. Thank God my work has been done. Seriously, because if people don't know how they're supposed to watch it, and usually what happens, nine times out of ten, people take a personal recommendation over anything else. They say, right. well, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Let me give the movie a try. And they do, and they find out that they like it a lot. Yeah, Turner Classic is one of the great things in life. For the classics, but also for keeping some of these... Yeah, keeping these... The, the restoration, also keeping some of these guzzy underground films alive. Yeah, they yeah. do Friday, Saturday night. They moved it to Saturday yeah. night because now on Friday they have different guest hosts. This past month they did on Friday night all Francois Truffaut movies. Well, that was a, a couple weeks ago. Right, yeah. They did all with that same character as he got older. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Ileana Douglas a couple of months mm-hmm. ago, she hosted Friday night. So they moved Turner Classic Undergrounds to Saturday night mm-hmm. now. Whatever crap Turner took when he colorized those movies years ago, he's right. more than made oh, up. Oh, he's made up for it, yeah. yeah, yeah he's, I think that was behind it, too. He just realized being tagged as this guy that yeah. doesn't care about movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do. Yeah, I just, yeah. And I've said this many times. I give up every single channel I have on DirecTV except for Turner Classic Movies. I'd have to keep that. If I can only pick one channel, period, in my life, that would be mm-hmm. That would be it. Because I could watch oh. that and never get bored. Two of our favorite shows that we do every year, the Obscure Movies and the Studio Horror Movies episode, that is just so we hope that somebody goes, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, sometimes you guys mention ones that I can't find. Well, know? unfortunately, that's, at this yeah. point, we're getting to the point, getting ready to do the episode with Des Reddick, our annual Obscure mm-hmm. Horror Movies episode. Des, he's already announced that it's going to be the Evictors and the people who are in the dark. When he said the Evictors, he said, is that the one with Ruth McDevitt and the old folks killing their, the developer who's trying to get rid of their tenement building? No, that's Homebodies. So I went to look and I said, oh, maybe I should put that in. And I went and I couldn't find it. And once you said it, I went looking for home buddies because I saw it's it. It's on, it's it's on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> well, that's the other thing now is that we get now have these people put entire movies on YouTube yeah. now that you can do unlimited stuff on it. Right. Remember when people had to chop yeah. movies in like well, yeah. bite-sized bits, which I know yeah. the watch. That's, that's how I first saw Stanley Kubrick's Fear and Desire in those little yeah. bits. Oh, like okay. That, you know? then now you can get it on. Yeah, you yeah. can watch the whole thing now because I watched Paths of Glory not too long ago. I wrote a review of it. I saw it on. Great. Oh, yeah. The thing I told John Line that a friend of mine, we go through these sweeps. We're doing all the Kubrick now, one a week. We just finished Full Metal Jacket. We've seen them all, but just kind of to re, and right. at the end we evaluate them and kind of rank them. What do you think of Full Metal Jacket? To me, it was always the one that started out great and then kind of went downhill. Then I saw it again and the other way around. I don't know. I didn't like it. It's still, to me, a weaker Kubrick film. Saying it's a weaker Kubrick film still means it's better than almost anything else you got. Well, right? yeah. It's not one of those great Kubrick films. You know what did turn out? The Shining I liked more than I remember. That moved up in my opinion. Yeah. I just recently watched The Shining not too long ago myself. I found I liked it a lot. I said, man, this is really good. I was like, say, I guess over time, my memory had been had dimmed, but then I watched it, I said, man, this is really good. Maybe but, the same thing happened to you that happened to me. When I was younger, I just didn't like it that it was so different than the book, I think. I had really liked Stephen King's book. I don't know mm, if that affected you at all. I think out of The Stand and The Shining, of my two favorite Stephen King books, The Shining. That's one of the greatest horror. I think haunted first, house stories. First three stories to me were the great ones. Oh. Carrie, Salem's Lot. Yeah, yeah. So Salem's Lot, and this one. But Full Metal Jacket, you're right. Once you leave 
the Paris Island training sequence. And once we don't have Arlie Ermey and uh-huh. Vincent D'Onofrio, the energy level of the movie goes way down. Cause it's so strong, that whole sequence, yeah. that there's nothing after it really that comes that really matches up and to there's it. There's very un-Kubrick things. Kubrick never seems to compromise, and everything's very natural. Yeah. There's scenes where there's expository dialogue all of a sudden, which you would just go right over you in other movies. But in Kubrick, it just seems so out of place. Right. You go, ah, it's not very Kubrick. To, you know, he goes, I'm here, thing we got stationed, blah, 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 so we can do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't seem like Kubrick. I saw Eyes Wide Shut one time, and it was kind of meh. Well, i got to watch it again, because it's been about five years right. since I've seen it. I want to watch it again to see if I have a different reaction. I have reaction. a good memory of it, but reaction. that's what we see when I get back in a week or so. That's Yeah. Actually, that is the only movie I saw at the Chinese Man's Theater, and I saw it opening day there. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I really liked it, but maybe it was just being there and I added to it a little. How about Clockwork Orange? Have you guys seen that? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we're I, doing it in order. Yeah, I, I yeah. love it, yeah. I recently revisited that, actually. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I think <laughs> that it depressed me because I realized we're kind of living in that world now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching this and I'm realizing, wait a minute, this is this world we are in the future of Clockwork Orange right this second. It's, it's depressing that things... Network is the same way. Yeah. They're mocking yeah, things. Network, yeah, Network, um, Petichevsky wrote that. Uh, yeah. You're mocking things that we've gone beyond that. Now, maybe yeah. we haven't had an assassination on TV. Maybe it had. We don't know what's planned and not planned, but the things we're mocking on that were worse. Yeah, you look at Network and you say, we've not only caught up to that, audience, we've surpassed yeah. it. Yeah. And we've our surpassed. audience is even more gullible. I just posted on my personal Facebook page mm-hmm. That article about who done it. Oh, okay, yeah. That reality TV show. It amazes me that people actually thought they were killing people. Oh, I heard on that about show. this. Yeah. It's not like with you remember the old well, you, you and I have talked about this, Murder in Small Town X. Yeah. The yeah. Fox show. The Fox show was shot on film. It was done very seriously. Oh, it was a reality show. It was a reality show, but it was shot very seriously. It had this very complicated backstory for the murderer. I don't remember people saying they're killing people on Murder in Small Town X. But this one is done on video. It's done for about the budget of maybe what the three of us have in our pockets right now. Starring the husband of Jan from The Office. Has the butler Giles. The contestants are always pitched over the top. There is no way I think I could ever at any point in my life take this as reality. Have you noticed that you've been still watching it, Derek? No, I haven't even watched it yet, but from the people I know who have watched it, they told me, well, you remember the movie Clue, right? I said, yeah, yeah they said the same thing. Sounds, is it anything like the show that, again, yeah. your obscure hero, a horror, what was that movie on Netflix that was shot? Oh, on the, Contenders. Oh, the Contenders. Is it like that? Seven. It's, I really like that, by the way. Thanks for coming A bunch of contenders. A bunch of contenders. A bunch of contestants get invited to Brew Manor for a game of death. Apparently this took place over the course of several weeks, but it looks like every day somebody gets murdered by the murderer. And the murderer is one of them. So it's Ten Little Indians, only done as a reality show. A reality show. The thing is, it's it's all done with tongue firmly in cheek. So if you approach it that way, it's okay. Yeah, it's stupid. It's fulfilling that little hole in my heart that <laughs> has not been filled since Smash was canceled. Because it is so incredibly stupid. And oddly enough, Patrick at Green Queens, hey Patrick, also loves this show. Well, there are people that I know, and I've been watching yeah. Kevin Hart's Real Husbands of Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. It's a hilarious satire slash spoof right. of reality show. There are people that I know that say, oh no, it's real. What do you mean? It's real. 
<laughs> I mean, they're doing obviously comedic things, <laughs> satire, the reality shows. Like Even the, the reality shows aren't mm-hmm. always real, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why have people, oh, no, 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 that's real. <laughs> and it's really, say, have people lost the ability to discern that what they're, because of the influx of reality TV, oh, people have lost their right. ability I to say, okay, well, there's something there. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is a satire. <laughs> um, what was it? Was it Hip Hop Atlanta? There's this thing that they think that it's mainly scripted right now. Ever since the dawning of reality TV, we've always had scripted reality shows. That show, Laura Conrad was on it, The Hills. Yeah. The Hills was a scripted show that was presented as a reality show. Now, to me, the only reality show that we have ever had mm-hmm. was Candy Camel. Because people did not know they were being filmed. That, <laughs> that was, was it. Great. That was it. You wouldn't count the American Family? You wouldn't count the That was the 70s one? With the 70s one with the louds. But they knew mm-hmm. they were being filmed. I'm yeah. saying, no matter what, if I tell you, Jay, that I'm going to come yeah, around the camera, and I'm like, like, yeah. it's always going to be in the back of your mind, exactly. well, I can't take an axe to my family because they're filming right. it, it'll be well, on there. that's why we now have these people who become contestants of these reality shows who have studied the reality shows, and they know the script. We've talked many times about in the dark of the script. And, and the like, archetype. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win <laughs> this yeah. competition. We will, this is a competition. We will never have a true reality show unless we have one where the people who are participating in the show Don't have know. no idea that they are being filmed. You know, but I you can't do that because of legal reasons. I think there is a show, and this is a show that I actually loved. It was on for one season on WB. It was called Superstar. It Don't was ask a, me where he gets this Okay. <laughs> the idea was they consciously set up the judges to look like the American Idol judges, and everybody, they were told this is a new singing competition. What they did not tell everybody was that this was a singing competition to find the worst singer in America. I think I saw this one. There was a girl that won. Yes, it, right? it was a girl that won. And at won. the end, they, when she realized what's going on, they realized it's not really going well. They kind of rush her through the whole thing. At the very end, they yeah. explained this was for the worst singer in America. It's the close up. It's just, just little looks blonde like she got girl. Hit by, like, yeah, I saw that. Ah! Yeah, and then they just kind of push it yeah. like, real quick. They got her out of there. It just ended so abruptly because yeah. it just wasn't fun. Because like, she probably went ballistic. Yes. You know, and you know, the, it wasn't funny to her. Yeah, it wasn't funny. It was a very uncomfortable ending. The, the other thing I remember is there was this one guy who was this really skinny guy with the glasses. And he had this really nasally voice. And because they told the people and they got eliminated what was going on. And they interviewed him after the fact and said, I'm grateful for this. Yeah. I got to pretend to be a rock star for a couple of weeks. And I got enough money that I can go and send for my fiance and we're going to get married. And I think that's the best attitude. Mm-hmm. That's a good attitude. But yeah. you're also hitting on the fact that, and this is not new, but 10, 15, 20 years, that the shame. It's been it's, over it's, 20 it's, years. Uh, or you go to if we where count was it, the Donahue, real world. Yeah, we, no, we count the real world as the first reality show. These Jerry yeah. Springer shows that the shame doesn't even come close to overshadowing we, the exposure. They, they, being on TV, yeah. no matter what it's on for, no matter how scummy you look, no matter how vile you look, no matter what you've mm-hmm. done, no matter what you're accused of, no matter how you act. You're on TV. We've eliminated shame has a motivator for social change. Because I have said, Jerry Springer's been on 30 years. He's been on forever now. If I get a call right now and say, oh, you're going to come on the Jerry Springer show, you're going to be a... Well, no, I'm not. I'm not coming on there because obviously I'm not coming on there for no good. But yet people still go on there because they can say, well, I was on TV. And to them, like I right. said, that overrides any kind of shame. I want my past funny. buried. You know Remember I mean? that time? It was quite a few years ago when... That guy killed the gay guy after he came out and said he had a crush oh, on her. Yeah, that yeah, Ricky yeah. Lake. That wasn't Ricky Lake. That was I know you talking. Oh no, it was. Oh, was that the blonde? Blue blonde. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. What I know you're talking about. Uh, wasn't it? Was for like about a month. Yeah. Every one of the major tabloid 
quote-unquote reality talk shows, had reruns. And so they had reruns for a month of Jerry Springer because I, I was working for wonderful, and Cynthia Holiday was her name. She was the regional African-American publicist for Anheuser-Busch. And she would come in around 10 o'clock, so I would come in at 9, and she said, you want to watch the television in my office while you work? That's cool. So I would go into her office, and I had my office across the way from her, mm-hmm. so I'd go in and I'd watch Jerry Springer. For about a month, they showed the Jerry Springer shows from when he first started out, when they were still convinced they were doing a public service, so it was traffic lights. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> yeah, but you're right. After that happened, it was all teen drunkenness. All of the but he talk tried to, shows. He tried to yeah. keep that attitude for a while. Babies molesting other yeah. babies. It's out there. <laughs> it's out there, folks. It's, we have to deal with this. It. It's not going away. <laughs> Still, one of my favorite transitions is watching the transition of Richard Bay back in the '90s. Richard Brett on Channel Nine. On Channel Nine was yeah. a local, respected news guy, and they had this morning show called Nine Broadcast Plaza, which was still a respectable news guy. And it became the Richard Bay Show, and you could see Richard Bay getting more and more depressed as it started running down that road till it became this third-rate Jerry Springer show. We would watch it, and we'd have these pools as to how many times he would just look off into the distance. <laughs> Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones. Oh, yeah. Jenny yeah. Jones. Yeah, okay. Jenny Jones. That was it. And that yeah. killed her career, didn't it? Her show lasted, I think, about a year after that. But yeah. once her contract ran out, she was gone. Yeah. And she just left the whole talk show scene completely. That was it. She was done. She had a pretty good run because I think she took over for who was the chick with the. Uh... She might have actually taken over for Ricky Lake because Ricky Lake retired. Now she's back. Yeah. How weird is it that we get we have Ricky Lake and we have Arsenio Hall coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah. Where, where's he going to? He uh, looks is like, he, uh, like a, is he doing late night. Or? He's doing late night. Yeah. yeah. It's weird though because right now he looks like one of those Apple Face dolls. And that show better be good because they've been hyping the hell out of it since January. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of lost interest in late. Conan to me was never funny. Mm-hmm. I tried him the first episode. I tried him ten Conan's years later. Conan's biggest problem. And about five years later, yeah. and I just never made me laugh. I don't. Yeah, know. he's Conan's not. biggest problem is that he excels at sketch comedy, but he's not good as an interviewer. I would watch just for the opening sketch and then shut off because for some reason he's not comfortable with guests. I watch Craig Ferguson depending on who he has. Oh, but Craig Ferguson, you just watch him for his show. Yeah, yeah. So if I happen to be up late, because I go to bed early, but if I am up late, that's the one guy I like. Yeah. I still watch the beginning of Letterman, like the first right. uh, five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that Craig Ferguson, he's good. Yeah, yeah he's, he's good. good. He's fun. And he's I'm right not natural. saying that just because his last name is Ferguson. But yeah, he is a... <laughs> it seems very natural. would have yeah. thought Jimmy Fallon, Fallon would have found his niche in late night television? Wow, isn't that something? God, this I is hate. the guy whose movie career was going absolutely yeah. nowhere. I don't even know yeah. if I ever saw him. I only know him from when he's on Stern. I've never really yeah. tried out his late night show. Well, I saw one movie he made, the one he made with Queen Latifah Taxi, right. the remake well, of I, that I, French action. Obviously, I saw Fever Pitch. Yeah. Because it's about the Red Sox. So. Yeah. But he never really impressed me anything. But yeah, who knew that late night TV that would be was what he really Yeah, and now he, he's graduated to the Tonight Show. The whole I love how NBC you know, is just like building the castle up. You're not doing this again, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. They even threw up the battle message. Go, and, uh, yeah, go, go, go away. Yeah, go away. And I hope that you and I have enough sense to know this has run its course and right. maybe we should shut it down. Because to me, there's nothing sadder than when somebody's still trying to hold on yeah. long after the expiration date. Like Jay Leno, the man mm-hmm. couldn't 
just be dignified and go graciously right. away. He had to make a whole scummy, scuzzy thing out of that. Very unpleasant. Left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I still not even clear what all happened there, but for me, he wasn't enjoyable since his earlier days taking over for Johnny. I, yeah. I yeah. He was kind of cool as a guest host. I went and actually saw a taping with him. Intentionally went to see him instead right. of Carson back then. But And he was fun then, but once he got a hold of the show after a little while, I just uh, didn't care for him. I think that we have left that age. Johnny Carson, the guy was what, a host of the Tonight Show for what, like 30 years or something like that? I don't think that we have anybody that's ever going to be like that again. I think that doing the Tonight Show now should be like Doctor Who. You do it for four or five years yeah. and get out. No. Carson was great. Really was, and I appreciate him more now that he's gone right. than I probably did at yeah. the time. And Carson was the guy that set the template late night, and he walked he, you know, away. He didn't. He, he walked did. away. He was as good as his word. He said, "I'm done. I'm going to go retire." And he sits in his mansion. He plays tennis. He does whatever he wants. I think he's only appeared in public like what two and three yeah, times. Yeah, when since he walked then? away, he walked away. But see, that's how you supposed I to do it. That. Yeah. I respect that. I can't stand people who go. I'm done, and then they keep coming back. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to go, go. That's why I keep bringing up the, the brand new Radicals. I respect that. The guy made that one album, you got what it give, became this major, major top ten hit. And he said, I've made enough money, <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to buy a farm in my hometown, and I'm just going to hang out and watch the cows. And spend the rest of my life Carson. spending it. Hey, speaking of Carson, have you been watching those on Turner Classic? They've been showing little Yes, clips. I have. Yeah, I've been watching the interview. I saw the one with Henry Fonda they did. They did one with Mel Brooks. With Mel Brooks, That yeah. whole Mel Brooks night. That whole Mel Brooks night, yeah. I had to watch that because you're blazing saddles. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice Dumb. to see Woody Allen talk about Mel Brooks because I always knew they were together on your show shows. They just seemed so different. Yeah. But to hear they were friends, I liked that. And they would walk home together. Yeah, well, yeah. I really I like, I like hearing we, things we like that. We would walk yeah. home together and just bullshit. Yeah, that was and, nice. And seeing Gene Wilder, they, it was a taped in, um, commentary on Mel Brooks at the yeah. ceremony they had. That was really neat. Yeah. yeah. Then they showed the 12 cheers after that. I've never seen that before. I'd seen it once before. I'm still, I don't know. It's so unlike Mel Brooks because it right. has an actual story. I mean, even the producers, which has a story, is very recognizable as a Mel Brooks. Yeah, right. Yeah. This one is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fairy tale that is his mother, I think, I think, I think yeah. one of the problems is Frank Langella. He's right. a very good actor, but he's not very personable. And they have all these scenes where he's kind of getting the better of Mel Brooks or Dom DeLuise. When those guys are attracting your eye and they're funny yeah. and you have this kind of bland guy sitting there kind of outwitting them and well, it just he, doesn't work. Well, Frank is it more or less yeah. straight, yeah. to yeah. be honest. This is the actual straight drama that I'm doing with little bits of comedy in there. Right. Where Mel Brooks and Dom DeLuise and everybody else is playing it as a comedy. But you can be a straight man and still let those guys bounce off. Like, I think Wilder well, could have played that straighter. Yeah. I mean, he's zany too. I think that might be what it is for me. Yeah. yeah the greatest straight man of all time, Margaret Dumont, played oh. it totally straight and she was incredibly <laughs> hilarious. But that was because she played it straight. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. You ever know Tommy Lee Jones is funny when he's not trying to be mm-hmm. funny? When he's just says the lines He's and he lets guy. everybody yeah an actress that you and I have talked about in the past Missy Pyle yeah one Missy of the reasons I think Missy Pyle works is that she doesn't mug for the I'm not her, sure who Missy Pyle Missy Pyle Alexandra in Josie and the Pussycats I don't know the cartoon the, the, the Russian in Dodgeball She's one of these actresses that when She's like a David E. Kelly. Violet Beauregard's mother in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, I didn't see the Tim Burton one. But go ahead, forget me. Just keep talking about it. The thing is, is that she plays things so totally straight that... It works. Okay, See, okay, I yeah, what you saw. Well, I mean, she's a favorite of David E. Kelly. Favorite of mine, too, right? Yeah. 
She's also got that five head going you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. But my dream is to see her in the other six foot tall one. What's her name? Kristen Thomas. Kristen, yeah. Kristen Johnson. Of Kristen uh, Johnson, yeah, from Third Rock and the Sun. Play sisters. Okay, so she's like six foot? She's like very... Amazon-esque. You just want an entire film of Amazon. <laughs> yes, I do. I wonder if you call it Amazon Women on the Moon. Yeah, her, Kristen Johnson, Serena Williams. Gabby Reese. Gabby, yeah. Six, yeah, Gabby, six foot one yeah, self. Yeah. <laughs> so what haven't we covered yet? I don't know. I, I feel like I gave you guys a, that all we did was kind of scatter well, here, but I what, guess that's, that's okay. That's what we want. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, it's very enjoyable for At me. At the very least, we got to talk about a chicken with a flying saucer for a head. I guess you can carve an episode of all Yes, I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was, no, no, no. This is great. Believe it or not, yeah. then most of the time, that this is what will get the most feedback on people to say that episode like this Remember, is what they enjoyed the most. One of our most downloaded episodes was the episode we had with Ken McIntyre. The episode that we referred to as just three guys sitting around drawing, which was supposed to be about I remember the episode. Andy Sidaris. But then got hijacked and became just this weird freeform conversation. This is a lot of fun. And you know what's funny? What? It really does feel like I'm listening to the show and I'm just piping. <laughs> I mean, I kind of go off for a walk or a run yeah. with my headphones and listen to you guys. And I, I go, oh, God, I, do I have time to type that in and get right. them? The show's already on. But this yeah. is just, I get my wish that I can kind of throw things in there. So I guess we should wrap it up because we're hungry. We're going to go get some food. Yes. Is there anything else you want to ask us now before well, we go? Because this is I it. I'm nervous. Put the pressure on. I'm thinking. This is uh, it. No, you know what? Anything I just... you want to promote while you're on the, Okay. Uh, I will be teaching art right. <laughs> in, in Northern <laughs> California. I said before, I have a friend who has a podcast, and some of right. you guys listen to it, too. The Comic Conspiracy, and I've, mm-hmm. I've not, I don't even listen because it's listen to the guys at the comic store. You've actually seen, in fact, <laughs> before we leave, you've actually seen our good friend and uh, semi-regular co-host, okay. Lord Blood Rock. But the reason I'm well, being the reason I'm being oh, yeah. Conspiracies because everybody promotes stuff and I knew I was coming yeah. on here. So I said next week I'm going to go on your show just so I have something to promote when I'm here. Yeah. Because okay. normally I've never even gone on a show. Right. <laughs> I wanted to be able to say something. So I might be on Comic Conspiracy in yes. a couple weeks. The Comic Conspiracy. I don't know what the hell it is. You'll find it. So, okay, yeah. I met Lord Broderock. Is that what you're bringing up? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I went to one of his showings up at the, in San Leandro at the Ball Theater. We saw The Raven and The Black Cat. It was double feature. This is the, the 1930s version. Oh, yeah, With yeah. that creepy-ass makeup that, that they gave Karloff. Karloff. And, yeah. the, the oh, Karloff and Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they man. were both Karloff and Lugosi. Yeah. I talked to him a little bit between films a little bit beforehand, and we, we have that picture right. up there. And I will say this about Lord Bloodrod. The guy is sincere about horror movies. You get a guy that you can tell he just loves it, and he loves doing these shows, and he loves promoting it. It's The sense I got, it's not an act at all. This guy really has a love for old horror films. And, and he will be coming back, folks. I think we're doing Dracula next, right? Yeah. If you're in the Bay Area. He's got a brand new TV show. It's on a cable access station. It's Friday nights, so mm-hmm. I missed it the other night. What did he do the first night? He did that Corman film, yeah, Bucket, uh, of, Bucket, of Blood. Bucket of Blood. And he yeah. did Dungeons of Harrow this weekend. Yeah, I and I was on the road, so I missed that one. And you can, I believe that he posted on YouTube as yes. well. So yeah, you can get it on YouTube. Yeah, by all means, yeah. check that out. We yeah. endorse everything that Lord Blood Rod does. If you're in the Bay Area, I think it's Channel 27. It's no HD TV mm-hmm. matching things like that. Right. A lot of things. But it's on there. For those movies, they're, they're the quality they are. Your high not going to help an old printer bucket of blood anyway. It's the experience of watching right. it. Yeah. the Lord Blood Rod. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, so here's where we get to say, take a little brief to remind people about our various writing endeavors. Okay. Before we get into the pre-recorded indicious. Before we Just do that, come, let us uh, oh, yes. uh, once again extend thanks to our first live in-house Thank guest, you Jay Shelton. Thank you so much for being here with us and kicking the Willie Bobo. 
And if you guys are going to be in the New York area, let us know, and we'll try to set something else up. We love having guests, and we love having people hanging out with us. The year of Dylan continues to march on. In fact, the Dylan and the Voice of Odin 10th Anniversary Edition with a new cover by Sean E. Ali is out right this second. No, it's not. No, it's Okay. No, it's not. The e-book is out. The paperback version is not out yet, but I have heard from Joel Jenkins, my editor slash publisher at Pulper Press, that it will be available sometime this week. So by the time you hear it, folks, due to the weird timey-wimey thing that we got going on with podcasting, it will be out. But yeah, the e-book, I really didn't want to announce the e-book as being out yet okay. until the paperback was announced. I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's whose name I'm not going to mention, but right. he had bought a copy and then he uh, posted it on Facebook that, hey, I got a copy of this. So then the cat was out the bag. But anyway, yeah, by the time you hear this, it'll be out. Go get it. Buy it. Enjoy. Put money in my pocket. Right. There you go. <laughs> and that'll be followed in about, what, another year or so by Dylan and, and the Legend Gold, of the Golden, Golden Bell. Bell. Yeah. Dylan the and the Pirates Sonoria. And yeah. the fourth book is... Four Bulls for Dylan. Four, which is the yeah. They'll all be reissued with covers by, and it looks like it'll be Sean Ealy will do all the covers. Okay, yeah, because I already have Golden Bell. The, so you, you're saying it's being reissued. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all being re- because yeah. he, here's the whole thing behind yeah. it. I have been told by people who are more savvy in marketing than I am that what I really needed to do was rebrand the series as a series because mm-hmm. they all got different covers and yeah, people can't really tell right. yeah, that they don't have. So that's yeah, what so People like to buy a collection. They like to have things fit together. Exactly. Uh, and also this gives me a chance to tighten up the grammar a little mm-hmm. bit because when I read Golden Bell, I said, wow, that don't read right. And I thank God my skills as a writer has improved since I wrote it 10 years ago. Right. So of course I'm looking at it and I say, yeah, well I could do that. I mean, I haven't done any substantial rewrites to it, but yeah, it reads a lot smoother now. Let me put it that way. So I'm very happy with that. Go get a copy of Black Pulp, which is the anthology right. that I'm in with a whole bunch of talented other people like Charles Saunders, Rob Fortier, Gary Phillips. That's on sale now, available from Amazon and Kindle and for your Nook and in paperback. What else am I doing? Oh, Dan Fowler, G-Man. All right. From Airship 27. And I'm in that one. Josh Reynolds is in that one. And a bunch of other talented right. people. And I think that's it for me. Oh, and also get a copy of Both You and I Have Stories in It, All-Star Pulp Comics. Right. Yeah. Number two. Number two. It is available through Indie Planet. You wrote what, the Domino Lady story Domino in that Lady. Yeah, Domino Lady story. With my wonderful and talented friend, Michelle Shudo. And you, it is a representation of the only excellent Dylan story. Dylan and the Escape from Chesegia. Yep. Which is now the first chapter of Dylan and the Voice of Odin, which is what it should have been in the first place. Right. I think that's about it for me. Oh, and let's not forget, if you haven't bought How the West Was Weird Volumes 1 and 2, now's your time. As well as Campfire Tales. Campfire Tales, and we're supposedly getting a new one real soon. Well, we're working on our story. You guys work. You guys write a lot. You guys are always up. Well, you know. Well, mine is finished. I just have to do polish, although I I really want to rework the first half. The first Mm -hmm. half doesn't quite jive with how the second half worked, but Mm -hmm. yeah, mine is done for that book. Yeah, usually this is, right here, this is where I'm at most of the time, Jake, Mm because I'm here to... Doing it away. And this is stuff that was written over time, but because it's all, it seems like a lot now because I got a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's just coming out at a lot of times, which is usually what happens. I find I tend to have these long spells where nothing's coming out, and then like in one month, three or four things come out. It just works out that way, scheduling and stuff like that. So that's from Pulpworks Press, and I'm I'm not going to announce yet, but yes, something is coming from Pulpworks Press because I'm still working on getting that manuscript done, but it's going to be done. 
Okay. It's going to be done this year. I have, I have no doubt. I will no longer have to have those nightmares of being 90 years old and having people at conventions raise their hand and go, what about the last dangerous vision? I'm sorry, that thing. Hey, I remember what I was going to ask you about. From, yes. Sorry to bump in. You no, wrote no. one of those Hulk, Ultimate Hulk yes. stories? Yes, yes I did. When you said that, I realized I had that issue. Oh. I don't have it anymore because I got rid of all my right. comics. But I'd read that. It was several short stories. Yes. That, yeah. You've been out. Uh, yeah. No, Michael <laughs> Bailey talks about it all yeah, the time. Yeah, you yeah. Me, though, you know, I had that. I wish I kept it now. I did three stories for Byron Price that actually made it to publication. A Quiet Normal Life, which was from The Ultimate Hulk. Mad Dogs English, which was from X-Men Legends. And Up the Hill Backwards, which is in five decades of the X-Men, which I think was the last book that ever got published under the Marvel license. I'm ready but to yes. Sorry to interrupt your flow. No, it's okay. It's okay. You would have interrupted yeah. it anyway. Then we've got Pro Se <laughs> Press, where uh, Sovereign City continues to grow. You're still working on the return of Fortune McCall. Yeah, hopefully, I will have it done in time for publication later on this year in November or December. There's going to be some serious developments in Sovereign City coming up thanks to Barry Reese. We had a discussion about certain character earlier on this week, and I'm not at liberty to reveal it publicly yet. I'm going to let Barry do that, but fans of the Sovereign City series should keep their eyes open. Dum, dum, dum! <laughs> and of course, over at Airship 27, we're waiting with breath for the release of New Roads to Hell. Yep. We're still waiting for the last four uh, illustrations. The illustrations come. Okay, yeah. cool. But it's coming. It's coming soon. I'm putting the case book aside because I'm working on a couple other projects, mm-hmm. one of which is the new Don Quavo story for How the West Was Weird, Volume 3. Okay. Another one is the new Doc Thunder story, The Town That Hated Santa Claus, mm-hmm. for the Pulp Works Press Christmas Annual. Wasn't that a Rankin Bass special? No, no. It was The Year Without a Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what Third is gotcha. Giants of Industry, the story I'm writing for Monster Earth 2. Dun, dun, dun. And the fourth is really, really secret. I'm you talk not... about good timing. I imagine that with Pacific Rim yeah. movie, right. that's probably, a lot of people are probably picking exactly. that up now. Monster and there's Earth. some good stories yeah. in the first Monster Earth volume. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is the one about Los Angeles, oddly enough, about how housing a giant monster near Los Angeles affects Los Angeles. <laughs> and it's set in the 50s. It's and I'm really kicking cool. myself in the head because I really should have got in on that, but yeah. I was just... Because I was invited to be in that. It's a shared universe, kind of. Yeah. yeah this is the a, one you were talking about with the yeah. monster. The, yeah. Instead of nuclear weapons, we've got Instead monsters. of nuclear weapons... Maybe it's uh, the giant monster. Yeah. <laughs> Every nation in the world that got giant monsters. And I was invited to be a part of that. But I was just... Great simply, idea. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a tremendous idea. Yeah. All I maybe wish that's the way the world was. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All I can tell you about this project, I'm not allowed to say anything just yet, is that it plays into one of my biggest passions outside of movies. Mm-hmm. It's something I really want to be in when it was announced that Cops they were looking for... Five foot tall blonde woman? Annoy, tiny blonde thing. <laughs> Annoy like the wind. Um, right now, all the marshmallows who listen are going, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, new Roads to Hell is coming, and once I'm done with those four things, we're going to finish up the casebook and get to work on two new projects, one of which is going to be coming out through Pulpworks Press, mm-hmm. which we're not going to talk about just yet. Can't talk about it. And one of which is going to be the much-talked-about adventure of Dow Jones, which is partially done. We'll get finished. And that's that. So, Jay, thanks for coming down. Oh, whether you love us or hate us. (laughs) (laughs) One, two, Two, three. three. Go see see that that movie. movie. Good night. Good Good night. night. And watch out for those chickens with the flying saucer heads, okay? Tom, remember that. (laughs) Okay.
So you want to let us know how much you like Better in the Dark, huh? And you do like us, right? Here's what you do. Email us at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. You can join the Better in the Dark Facebook page by searching for Better in the Dark on Facebook and asking to join. You can follow both Derek and myself and our individual Facebook pages to learn all about the facts to need to know about the both of us. And you can read the Ferguson Theater and Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes if you want more. You, you want more filmic musings. You know what else will prove you love us? Send us money. Send checks, money order, filthy lucre, or cash. We accept cash. Box to Myrtle Sporting Goods. Shekels. Care of Thomas DJ. Dollars. 5716 Myrtle Avenue, Ridgewood, New York, 11385. The Blooms. Sent, make all checks payable to Derek Ferguson and make all money orders payable to Thomas DJ. Cash, it comes in green, it goes with everything. Or you can contribute via the PayPal link we have at betterinthedarksite.com. The PayPal link is you know, one click, and then you're done, and you can give us money there. There you go. If you send us a contribution, you'll be named a producer on an upcoming episode. And the best part of it, no minimum whatsoever. No minimum, no maximum. Send whatever you like. So come on, stand up, get involved, be counted, share your love, and don't forget to go, go watch that movie. There you go, that's all yours, and there's a bag, and you guys have been something else. Thank you for being with us on Wonderama. Next week, lots of surprise guests. Until that, parents, you remember this. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E. J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Patrick of Scream Queens, Rick of the Book Cave, Professor Allen of the Book Guys, Eric Froman, of course, all the lovely members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark will never try to convince you it actually murdered people competing in a reality TV show, except for those times when it did. I send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at at B-I-T-D Show. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.b-hyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that a giant chicken with a flying saucer for a head is probably not going to strike fear in anyone's heart, let alone pre-adolescent Tom. must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one.